TV Campfire Podcast. I was like, yep, okay, so you win for the week. <laughs> <laughs> We're here. I hate to sound like a broken road. Oh, no! <laughs> We're fans. It's one of the best things on television. Oh! oh! All right, we got you a hold of Oh, no, you didn't. We talk TV. That was the best scene ever. Like, All that right, blew I'll- me away. It was absolutely amazing. I just couldn't believe it. Welcome to the show. This is podcast number 508, and I am Libya, your host, and this week we have returning guests. Hi, this is Tom. I'm professor of communication and media studies at Palm Beach Atlantic University in Florida. Hey, this is Peter. I write for Why So Blue, and uh, I live in Hollywood, and I go by the name Pajamo on social media. I think that means you're supposed to follow him. <laughs> yes. All right, so let's start off with the news. Uh, first piece, the controversial news, is that the, the new show called The Winchesters is in development by Jensen Eccles, apparently without the knowledge of Jared Padalecki at all, and, and, and it all broke over Twitter, and we watched it in live, uh, watched that drama happen live on Twitter. Drama! It was a lot of drama, man. I was like, what? Seriously. I was like, whoa. And then I saw Jensen, he had to post... Uh, hello world, stop sending me death threats. And I was like, what? And then Pat Leckie said, hey, Jensen and I have talked, we're cool, stop sending him death threats. <laughs> wow. And, but it was shady, though, I have to say, that was pretty shady. Well, the thing is, Warner Brothers owns the show, they can do with it whatever they want. But what's shady is, they should have, as a courtesy, told Jared, hey, just heads up, we're doing this thing. Right. That's the, the fact. Right, I understand, that, it, but still, it's kind of like, I decided to do this thing with me and my wife, screw you. That's what it looked like, and it was, ugh, it looked ugly. Anyway, uh, next piece of news I have is The Boys has added Sean Patrick Flannery, and then two other white guys that I don't care about, to the cast. Uh, and, you... Lori Hol- and Lori Holden. Oh, I didn't, they didn't even, I didn't see that. I like, yeah, that I just... like her. Because at first I was like, really, we're just adding white guys? Like, okay. <laughs> well, no. Miles Gaston Villanueva doesn't sound like a white guy, so. He looked a little, but whatever. Uh, I, I guess you're right. You're right. Um, John Lee Miller has been added to season five of The Crown as the Prime Minister. Um, John Major. Say again? Prime Minister John Major. I don't know who which Prime Minister that is. I just know he's a Prime Minister. I just think it's hilarious that how many prime ministers Elizabeth has gone through since the 50s. Yes, she's been cranking through them. Um, wait, wait, when Diana dies, it's it, when when Princess Diana died, it was uh, Tony Blair. So that must mean they're not going that far in time. I'm surprised they're not going to do the death of Diana. Well, but, I'm sure I'm, I would think they are. Well, but she up. just said that Johnny. Oh, and you know what? Are... They do. It, they might time jump over it. Oh, oh like because it's... it's such a touchy thing. Is this the last? Well, season or they there's, have there's a whole movies? movie about it by the same dude. It's called. Oh, yeah, 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 I know. I love the that Queen. Movie. The Queen. Um, how many? How many seasons does this show have left? Uh these these two seasons coming up are five and six. Well, that's probably the end. I would bet. And, and the original plan was just to do five. And after they got this killer cast, they decided, ah, oh, let's do six too. But yeah, they'll probably time jump. Yeah, and bit. now, it's, and now it's a new cast, right? It's Imelda Staunton. Imelda Staunton is the queen, and um, uh, dude from a yeah, bunch of stuff, The Wire and John Carter. 
as uh, Charles. Yeah, Charles wished he looked that good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, what else do I have? Oh, the Halo showrunner is has been kicked out after one season. So, I mean, they make it seem like it's going to get more than one season. That's a big assumption. But they yeah. fired the showrunner, and I was like, oh, that's not good. Uh, Tom, your, your news. Okay. Amazon series adaptation of Expatriates has cast Soraya Blue in the lead role. AMC has ordered a series based on Anne Rice's interview with the vampire. Apple TV Plus has announced that Vincent Castle and Eva Green have been cast in the Anglo-French series Liaison. Uh, they also ordered a Strange Planet animated series from Dan Harmon and Nathan Pyle. And Glenn Close is joining season two of Tehran. Big news at CBS... Gary Cole will join NCIS as a lead as Mark Harmon reduces his involvement to, quote, a very limited presence, end quote. Kachina, hey, Kachina Law. Well, does Arrow that just Point. mean he's just going to be executive producer and just sit back and collect checks? It, it means he'll probably show up, you know, like for Sweeps episodes. They literally faked his character's death in the finale. <laughs> okay. <laughs> very strange. Katrina Law, formerly of Arrow, has also been added as a series lead. They introduced her at the end of uh, the the current or the season that just ended as a potential love interest for uh, dude from that '70s show. Um, FX on Hulu has cast Andrew Garfield and Daisy Edgar Jones in Under the Banner of Heaven, which is directed by Dustin Lance Black. HBO has ordered a new Nathan Fiedler series, The Rehearsal. Hulu has picked up a limited series called Class of 09 starring Brian T. Tyree Henry and Kate Mara. NBC canceled Good Girls. And J- Blacklist creator John Bokenkamp has exited the show after eight seasons. Uh, Netflix is partnering with Spielberg's Amblin Partners to produce multiple feature films a year for the streamer. Uh, Netflix has announced that Fatherhood uh, has been seen in 61 million households in its first eight weeks. Sorry, its first four weeks. Um, they they renewed the Upshaws for season two, and they reversed the renewal for hashtag Black AF, but it's being redeveloped as a standalone film franchise. And then Secret Cinema is going to collaborate with Netflix on Bridgerton Balls this November. Wait, can, what? What they're is They're going to have Bridgerton Balls select locations where you can basically recruit you can you know enter the world of bridgerton they did something similar with stranger things at drive-in theaters in la last year a peacock has cast dean winters as jeff lowe in their joe exotic mini miniseries and finally peabody awards have, were announced in three parts last week and the television winners include good lord the good lord bird i may destroy you Small acts, Ted Lasso, yay, and unorthodox. Wow, I've only seen like one of those. That makes I me. You f- the good bird. Oh, that's true. I did see the good bird. Okay, that's true. And you, you started watching I May Destroy You, and you stopped because it was so dark. <laughs> yeah, I love that actress so much. I love her so much, and I was like, can't do it. It's just yep. I, I can't do it. And somebody was like, if you, like, they were like, if you nope. skip. They're like, if you skip the beginning, then and I was like, why am I going to skip the setup? But whatever. Let's go on with the shows. Uh, you're done, right? Yep. All right. So first up, we're going to talk about Superman and Lois. 
And this week's episode was like, wow, it was pretty dark. It's a pretty dark episode. They went uh, there. You got to give them credit. I do. And I mean, it started off all fluffy where we get to see the whole backstory of how Clark grew up and how he met Lois and their whole love story. And I was like, this is a cool episode, but this is weird. Why are we doing this now? And we got these weird shimmering things within these memories. Right. And I was like, okay, what's happening? And then when they reveal what's happening, I went, uh-oh. <laughs> you know, so, um, yeah, it's basically they're holding Clark's family hostage against the fate of the world. And that's bad. That's really bad. Like, they put us in a really... bad. Uh, Superman's a bad guy, potentially, right now. Well, the thing that really stinks is that we find out that, you know, in July... We have to wait till July for the last four episodes. But the episode ends with Lois calling John Henry Irons saying, John, it's happening. Everything you said is happening. Right. Because it turns out that Morgan Edge's Kryptonian father ghost thing is totally evil, probably brainwashed him and is brainwashing Superman now. Well, he's trying to break him, which, I mean... Everybody breaks eventually, I guess. So. Yeah, but he's got that Kryptonian tech. I mean, if if you look at the clips of Morgan Edge or whatever his Kryptonian name is, it's just, you know, whatever. But when he was in the machine, I mean, the dude was downright... I mean, you know, Super, Ghost Dad may be kind of a jerk to Superman and his kids, but this guy's just downright abusive. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm not disagreeing. Um... But he also was kind of broken as a child, so to finish mm-hmm. the breaking, I felt like was easier for Edge versus Superman, who actually had a good childhood and a solid foundation. It's going to be a little harder to break him, I personally think. But it's the where the story is going is not good anyway. Like all, all the things are bad, so it went. Yeah, it's going pretty dark, and I'm really kind of impressed that they're doing well, this. You know, the thing is. Since they've been teasing that since episodes one and two, I give them credit for being willing to go there. Yeah. Because otherwise, I mean, this is a show that seems to not repeat the same tropes as the other Arrowverse shows. I had, um, you know, we didn't talk about Black Lightning season four, but man, by season four, Black Lightning started falling in the same CW tropes where everybody's mad at each other for for no reason whatsoever. It's like, oh, come on. I, I had a college classmate say is it going to be like this? It's like, yeah, unfortunately. It's like, no, you know, tell good stories. Don't twist your characters into pretzels because the script says so. And this show has really impressed me. It doesn't feel like any of the other CW shows. So I would say thumbs up for this cliffhanger. I have, I'm, I'm really kind of genuinely scared of what's coming next. You know? All right. So next up, let's talk about Loki. Or, as I like to call this episode, Loki versus Mrs. Loki. <laughs> <laughs> they were in a great buddy comedy. It, it, normally, they some people call her Lady Loki, but uh, Sylvie does not like to be called Loki at all. Yeah, what did she say she wanted to be called? Oh, was it, oh, it was Sylvie. Sylvie. I was like, what? Anyway, um, the two of them together was magic, though. It was fantastic. They, I like how their powers are actually very different. And I like how they kind of can complement each other when they decide to work together. 
But I like that it took so long for them to work together. I thought all of that was really good. No, I think I think the actor is well cast, and um, Hiddleston's always great. In a uh, in the biggest non surprise to anyone, there's an exchange between the two of them where where he confirms that he's gender fluid, and you know, and by which is like <laughs> everybody who's been reading the comics has known this for years, but. People are like, woo! It's like, okay, it is what it is. It's not that surprising. No. He is the trickster. He's about illusions and whatnot, so whatever. Um, I did think that the lamest thing, though, was that he got drunk and got them kicked off the train. I was (laughs) like, really, dude? Like, that was crazy. Like, I really didn't see that coming. He was like, I'm a hedonist. What'd you expect? And I was like... Stay on mission. It's the end of the, you're gonna die if you don't. Like, those are some pretty high stakes. I was expecting David Diggs or Jennifer Connelly to show up at any moment because it was a train. <laughs> ha! Wow. Um, but yeah, it was it was good. And then it ends with a really great shot of them like like what's the city's like collapsing right in front of them and the moon like cracked in half. And I was like, uh, Rut row. Exactly. I was like, I guess they're not getting out of this, but you know they're going to get out of this. I was like, if this was episode six, then maybe you could kill him again because he's technically dead. But I was like, we got two episodes left, so. Three. Oh, right. Three episodes left. So I was like, okay, he's not dead. But it was still, that was a really good shot. I'm wondering, it seems to me like this is going to also tie into Doctor Strange because... They keep referencing the, the multiverse. multiverse, right? And the fact that this is the Loki, specifically from, take your pick, either Avengers One or Avengers Endgame. I mean, the Avengers One flashback from Avengers Endgame, but this is basically from a different reality. Right. So it's stuff that makes your head go. <laughs> well, also now we need. We found out that the Timekeepers are actually snatching humans from different places and using them and like wiping their minds and using them as a as the soldiers. Um so that's good information to know too. So that was all pretty good. Yep. Any other thoughts? I'm just wondering who the big bad is. I mean, I just wonder are they going to sneak I feel in like the and... timekeepers might be the big bad. But I wonder if they're going to use this to kind of set up Kang too because we know he's the villain in the uh, in the next Ant-Man movie, but he's a time traveler. And it seems to, if, if we don't see him directly, I would think that they would at least imply his existence and his potential threat level. I don't know. That feels a little stuffed. Uh, Dude, it's Marvel. <laughs> true. Look, look how many things have the potential to spin out of Falcon and Winter Soldier. I mean... By the end of that series. They've got a lot of plate spinning. That's true. All right. uh, Let's move on then. Uh, Next up, let's talk about Legacies. And this week's episode, I feel like, didn't we just do Fake Landon? We did that already, right? But this isn't Fake Landon. This is Landon's daddy pretending to be... (laughs) (laughs) And I... You know what's interesting... I kind of like this actor better playing evil oh, yeah. than playing good. Oh, I he's agree. Boring is good, 
But when he's got when when we're not sure what his intentions are, he's kind of interesting to watch. Yeah, I, I, especially whenever he's not in love with Hope. That's, Hope, yeah, that, that works for me. Um, but I I like they were everybody was doing uh, locator spells, and they're like, why is this locator spell not working? Because uh, the guy you're looking for is standing right in front of you. <laughs> and then they uh, and then at the moment that Hope was like, oh, I want to do this, and everyone else was telling her, do not trust Clark. I personally am in the camp of do not trust Clark. The first thing he does is he lies to her. And she still trusts. Why? Why would you trust Clark? Clark is not the trustworthy one. But it turns out he wasn't completely, I mean... He wasn't completely honest, but he wasn't completely evil compared to... I didn't say he wasn't uh, evil or not evil, but the thing is, you cannot trust him. He is going to constantly lie to you. Yeah, but the thing is, most of these characters lie to each other all the time. They're all... (laughs) Yes, but he's gotten them almost killed several times. True, and he's the one who made Josie go evil, right? Yeah. Can I just say that I really kind of don't like that actor. Who plays Josie? Yeah. You don't like how she's playing her character, or what do you mean? I don't know if it's she does... I didn't really like good... I didn't like evil Josie that much, and I don't like good Josie that much either. <laughs> it's just like... And she does this weird thing with her lips. It's like, stop doing that. It's very self-aware. I don't know... Somebody, You almost wonder, have you seen yourself? Do you know what your tics are? Stop doing that, because it makes you look bad. Peter, well, what, Peter, what were you about Josie, to say? Josie's the reason I stopped watching the show. Whoa! Okay, so, I just, once once she went bad and all that stuff, and I didn't really think the actress is very compelling. It's a shame, too, because the girl who plays Lizzie's fantastic. I think. She's amazing! Yeah, she's great. I almost wish that she would just get her own show. Like, uh, <laughs> I like her. But yeah, I, I agree with Tom. I mean, and I haven't But I will have to say, this season, there's a lot less Josie, dude, so... It, I mean, a lot less Josie. Is she, but it sounds like Tom's saying she's still evil. No, 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 no. She's not. Not. She's, she's not. good, but she's really boring. As bad as she was as being evil, she's even worse at being good because she just sits around and does weird facial. Well, right tics. now she's moping about the fact that she was so evil. So she's really sad about uh, I was. She was like, I was so evil and I feel so guilty. I don't want to use magic ever again. And woe uh, is me. Uh, uh, yes, there's boring. a lot of woe is there's a lot of woe is me. I, I think just, the storyline that they're doing right now, which is interesting, is that in order for Hope to defeat Malivore, she's going to have to become a tribrid. I think that is interesting. Yeah, but they keep trying to put put it off. Well, they really introduced it as a real strategy this season. They never really said that that's you know we always knew that at some point she could become a hybrid, but they never really put it forth as this is what you need to do to save the world. To, to, to defeat the Malivore. Right. Um, the, um, I just thought the thing with Lizzie and Ethan was hysterical. Oh, right. <laughs> because she's, she's trying so hard to sell, to sell hope. And you can tell he's already kind of... Into her. Into her. Well, the thing and, is also Ethan semi-dated, almost dated hope already. And yeah. then and then she left him for Landon. And so, you know, he's over yep. it. Yep. 
So he's like, I already was the rebound guy for that. No, thank you. Although it was a really cool scene after after Landon slash Malivore devours Cleo. Oh my god! And you see like her arm disappear. <laughs> into his so mouth. creepy. That was gross. <laughs> but we, but we, we had that great scene at the very end where we see her in the darkness. So we know she still exists. But still, that was crazy. Yeah, I mean, that was not cool. He was like, I was hoping it wouldn't come to this. And I was like, come to what? And then next thing you know, he's eating her. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, that was not cool. And then everybody was like, what were we doing? Who are we chasing? And... And it was one of those things where, where Hope was like, seriously, you guys don't remember her? And they were like, oh, we have a Malivore incident. Um, is, it I because, liked... is it because she was there? Is that the show rule? That well, the show rule, she... She, she, not, not just because she was there, she's immune to Malivore. She's always been immune okay. to Malivore. Okay. So they established so, that was... all the way from the beginning. And then she did a spell to re- they did a spell to restore everybody's memories. Well, she had to do the spell because right. she got eaten by Malivore... And they didn't remember her. And so when she came back, everybody was like, who the heck are you? So she had to come up with the spell so that they would all remember her. Yeah. They um, they kind of skipped a step in this episode. I don't know if they were short on time, but or they just or they just wanted everybody to, well, you got to know the show to do that. But it, it made sense. But um, I feel sorry for a uh, black dude with dreads. Oh, Caleb. I feel sorry for Caleb. Because he was trying to get, you know, he was psyching himself up to apologize to her, and then she's gone. She's gone. So, but no, I thought it was a solid episode and a little creepy. It's very creepy. It's only, like I said, my only issue is, didn't we just do fake Landon? So that was the only thing. I was like, that was a little weird. We did fake Landon as super sweet, super nice, and now we're doing fake Landon as evil. As super evil. The question is. Where is there, where is, or does the real Landon still exist? I think Malivore is possessing the real Landon's body. Because remember, his whole point was Landon was created to be Malivore's vessel. So I think that's really Landon's body, but he is currently being possessed by Malivore. I just wonder if they're going to do, like, uh, if they're going to rip a page from, like, Buffy Season 2 where at the remember in the end of Buffy season two, Buffy, she has to send him. She has to send Angel to hell. Yeah, and then they have to undo it to prepare him for a spinoff. But that's a way to kill a relationship. <laughs> <laughs> well, the last they had sex and she disintegrated him. I feel like that's the end of the relationship. <laughs> so, um, all right, let's move on. So, thumbs up for Legacies, even Except though. <laughs> So, Peter, you should just watch Legacies with one eye closed. And whenever, uh, Jos- whenever Josie it, it, shows up, just fast, fast forward. forward. Yes, nothing plot-wise. You're, and he's right. So far, none of Josie's storyline has been important at all. They have super sidelined her this season. Her, her girlfriend's a werewolf. That's about it. Yep, that's it. She has no other storyline. Everything else that's going on has to do with Hope and Landon. And Lizzie. Lizzie has a good story. Lizzie. Lizzie's an agent of chaos. I love her. <laughs> they, they should do a tribute episode where, like, Lizzie and Ethan, like, bewitched. <laughs> All right. Let's move on. The next ep- next thing we're going to talk about is Star... I almost said Star Trek. <laughs> Star Wars The Bad Batch. 
And this episode, I, I like when they do arc. And so this episode was definitely an arc episode. And we finally find out why those scientists are chasing Omega and what makes her different than any of the other clones. And we got a really cool fight between the two bounty hunters. That was good, too. Yeah, we did. I thought it was cool to find out that she's Omega to Boba's Alpha. Yes. That was a nice, cool reveal. And it makes me wonder, will we see young Boba interact with his his genetic twin sister? She looks nothing like him. You do know that. I know. It's like cloning. Am I right or wrong? <laughs> I, was like, I was like, if she's a clone, the female clone of him, shouldn't she look like him? She doesn't look like him at all. She looks like a, a an Australian little girl. And he looks like like what he is, which is like a Pacific Islander. So, I mean, technically they're in the same geographic area, but genetically not even close. So that is like a strange thing that they went for. But I like Omega, so whatever. Well, if Lady Loki can have blonde hair, then Boba's female clone can, can too. <laughs> I guess. Um, but yeah, I like this story. and she, I like that she decided to basically save herself. Because they were like, no one's coming for you. You're going to, you know, you, you should give up. And she's like, okay, well, I'll find a way to have someone come for me. But I did like the reveal that Finnick Shand is working for another, um, uh, I forget the One planet. of the scientists, yeah. yeah. Another scientist who specifically is trying to keep her out of the hands of the evil scientist. Right. So in this case, she's kind of a good girl. Which is interesting, because we didn't know that the first time she appeared. Right. In, uh, but, uh, but yeah, that, that, bounty hunt, that, that bounty hunter battle was, was dope. <laughs> yeah, everybody was like, had secret weapons and secret, you know, <laughs> like, boosters and shield. Like, it was crazy what they were doing to each other. Um, so, yeah, that fight was really good. And I like that Omega was just kind of just dodging out of the way at all the fights. And at the same time, even she was handcuffed at one for most of the episode, and she still figured out how to save herself. So, She's quite resourceful. <laughs> yes, I really like her. So, not only was she not a damsel in distress, she wasn't even a child in distress. So, thumbs nope. up from her. Um, and I think we're going to leave the storyline with the the Deadeye, what is his name? The sniper dude? Oh, uh, Deadshot? Or, not Deadshot. Uh, Bull, uh, I don't know. It's There's so many snipers that have the same name. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, he basically has given... Well, not given up, but obviously can't find them. But I was just like, guys, just snatch him and pull the chip. And then you'll have your team. I don't really like them not being a team anymore. I hope that that's on the docket for future episodes. Yeah. Especially when... You know, we kind of the big the big mission has been to protect her, and now we know why they need to protect her. But we also know, or, or rather, we don't exactly know what the Camino is. That what the name of the planet with the clone people is? Camino? Maybe I don't remember. We don't know what they want to do with her because well, they said they wanted her genetic material. They were like harvest her genetic material and then kill her. Right, but what are they? What do they need it for? Because we know that the stormtroopers are not going to be clones anymore. Right? Are not clones. So. Right. I don't know. Things that make you go, hmm. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about the good fight, and that premiered on what Paramount? Paramount Plus. 
So, uh, what did you think of the premiere? The premiere was crazy. The name of the episode is Previously On, and so they start with clips from last season, which got truncated because of COVID. They did seven instead of ten. And then they kept going after each, you know, they, they allow for commercial breaks on Paramount Plus, even though you can get it commercial free. And then they started showing clips for which there are no episodes. And that was, they basically took you through the whole last year from the beginning of COVID through January 6th and how it affected our characters. Uh, one of their PIs or one of their, one of their investigators, Jay, the African dude, almost died from COVID. <laughs> and a crazy scene he's hallucinating and he he hallucinates a conversation between <laughs> between Frederick Douglass played by Ben Vereen from a 70s Afro Sheen commercial very specific <laughs> but we had him and then we had uh, Malcolm X and then and then we you know basically four historical figures and he's just completely hallucinating but we also find out they ha they had to write out um, Delroy Lindo, who's doing who's got a new show on ABC coming up, and they also wrote out um, I can't think of her name, uh, the African American uh, female lawyer. Ah, I'm blanking on the actor's name, but they had set it up where she was going to go work for this music for this Oprah like superstar, but because of COVID, they didn't get to shoot those episodes. But I read an interview with Robert and Michelle King, and they actually started by using material from the three episodes they didn't shoot. And then as they kept rewriting, they kept getting further and further away from it. So they did their own thing. But um, little tension between Diane and Kurt, her husband played by Gary Cole. But um, because when they do the election episode, he's he's um, he testifies about firearms for for trial and he's a conservative and she obviously is not so <laughs> they have her praying it's like god i don't believe in you but <laughs> if you can give joe biden a victory i <laughs> promise to be a better person <laughs> <laughs> but it was a, it, it was a fascinating episode because they tied up loose ends from last season and uh it you know for a show that I wasn't excited about when it's when they first said we're spinning off the good wife and I'm like okay and it ended up launching Paramount Plus slash formerly CBS All Access because Discovery wasn't ready yet but it's it's really a fascinating show because the whole thing about um, Christine Baranski being the affirmative action hire at a black law firm <laughs> and that's where the show starts but it's gone to so many interesting places since then and Audra McDonald is now the second lead of the show with Delroy Lindo gone. But no, it's a great show. I, I recommend people check it out. All righty then. Um, you've almost convinced me because I gave up on The Good Wife. And then I was like, why would I watch a spinoff on a show that I gave up on? I, I gave up on The Good Wife too, but The Good Fight, I think in many respects, is a better show. Because it focuses a little bit more on law. You don't have a family to deal with. All right, next up, we're going to talk about Mythic Quest, and this was the season maybe series finale? Like, that was really... I think it's the season finale. Yeah. I think they'll be back. It felt very series finale, and I want Peter to start off talking, because he hasn't been talking in a while. So, what yeah, was your yeah. impression? 
I thought it was good. I, I think this has been a um, – it's been strange for me because I think this season has been kind of up and down. However, I have loved everything about CW, and I, I love the flashback episode. I love basically the follow-up episode about CW. So in that respect, I think it's a really terrific season. But I felt like they took too long to get Ion and, Ion and Poppy on the same page. Like I get why – they were doing what they were doing, but it was just kind of distracting. So I thought the last couple episodes, we finally get Ian and Poppy working together, and I liked, I like the idea of where the finale takes the characters, which is essentially that Ian and Poppy are going to work on Poppy's big idea for a persistent world, but that is not Mythic Quest. So they leave Mythic Quest. I just don't know what that means. I'm exactly. like, well, would you rebrand the show? Would like the bulk of the characters go to whatever this new d- game company is like would, would they do that i don't i don't know um stuff i didn't like about this season was i don't mind trying to make brad less evil but all the stuff with with him and then the brother and that brother that's it's, it's funny the guy who plays who plays brad i'm tom who is that who plays abed um danny pudi Danny Cootie is, you know, he's so lovable. I love him as from Community. And when this show started, it's like, oh, he's like kind of an antagonistic character. I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting, you know. And I was like, okay, I think he does kind of pull it off. But I was like, all right. So then they introduce a brother in this season. And that's another actor who is usually a nice person. He's usually like a nice guy. Um, If anything, he's kind of a pushover. That guy I don't think worked. I was like, I don't either – it's either it's not the actor or it's just I just don't care about this plot of like well actually Brad has a brother who's even more ruthless than him <laughs> Joanne Joe in trouble and maybe she's gonna go to uh, jail for tax of it or, or not for ta- insider for, uh, trading insider trading which is weird that Joe wouldn't know that Joe's so smart with all those things I'm like what Joe would she would totally know that how would she not know that like Joe, they, well the thing is they haven't really shown Joe to be smart. They've shown her to be ambitious. She's ambitious. That's not the same thing. I feel like that's a pretty basic thing, though. I mean, like... Not for a young person. She's pretty young. I mean, I guess... um, But, yeah, I didn't didn't get the impression she was particularly smart. So, yeah, I I hope that subplot is gone because I really didn't care for any of that. And then the other thing is that Rachel and... Dana. Rachel and... So, wait. So, Dana, basically, in a great scene... They're like, your goat simulator is terrible, <laughs> but, but you're not going to give up on it. And to, and that's that's what makes you something we want to watch is it's not really matter. if And I really like that. They have a lot of things in this show, like uh, the episode where they talk about the elevator pitch. Like they have a lot of things about corporate culture that and ambition that I really like that is actually kind of like kind of good advice that I was like, well, I really like these things. Um, Again, though, I like Dana. And I like Rachel, so I'm like, wait, are they gone? I mean, in theory, you could easily do that. Rachel goes to Berkeley, she does her stuff, and now she's back. Well, I was about Dana, to say, we could do a time jump to the next season right, since they're starting a new jump. game. Dana is still working. Dana's going to go to school, but she, local, and I think she's basically just working at Mythic Quest still, right? It, yes. Think, they, they said they kept her on, they're going to keep her on payroll. Right. Right. So... Uh, yeah, so, but so yes, my thought was I, I thought it was a solid finale. I just honestly just don't know what's going to happen. However, uh, my last thing I wanted to say was that 
if anybody, if you have at least iBooks, I would assume it's probably on Kindle. Um, so C.W. Longbottom's, Longbottom's uh, Tears of Anaharen. Uh, the, <laughs> that, the fact that you can say that properly is hilarious to me. Uh, but I'm listening to it, so. <laughs> so there is, so you can read, but I would suggest do the audio version. They basically did, if you watch the flashback episode, he writes a short story for Tears, and then it becomes a novella, and then it becomes the book, which of course is what Asimov really writes. So this is, so what they did was, they basically do two chapters of an audiobook. So it's about 40 something minutes of, of uh, listening. And um, it's pretty funny. It's, it starts with um, the actor, is it Rob? Rob McElhinney. Right, so he does the intro as Ian, and then CW talks, and then he, CW reads his book. And then throughout, C, CW will pause. There's one part where he's talking about Confederate space, space guys, and he's like, oh, you know, the publisher wants me to let you know that this has nothing to do with the Confederacy because obviously these people are in space. It's totally <laughs> different. Like, which is so much CW's personality. I, I think it's hilarious. Hilarious. I think it's so great that that's like a fun Easter egg that they added that that, that posted when the show the finale aired. I think that's awesome. So I would yes. Uh, t- uh, what is it? Tears of Tears. a friend. I actually. Uh, no, oh, it's funny because Ian, when he introduces it, he calls it Tears of a Anar- I think he calls it Tears of a Anar- He does it wrong, which I think is great. Um, <laughs> so, but anyways, yeah. So thumbs up for me. I think it's a, I would think it, I think it was a mixed third, second season, but still a lot of really good stuff. So nice, uh, Tom. Your thoughts? I would think that the way for them to go next year, because they were at Mythic Quest when she pitched Hera, and they tried doing it. And, and it didn't work. It. And it didn't work. So the parent company is going to lay intellectual property rights to it because they're employees. So I would think you... you most people don't realize they did a soft rebrand this season. They dropped the Raven's Banquet from the title. So I would That's think true. that if, if they wanted to do Mythic Quest colon Hera next year, they could continue. And the smart thing to do would be doing a time jump to where they've got most of it designed, but they're how they implement it. Um, but yeah, I, I really agree with something Peter said. There were, for those of us who've worked in, in the corporate world, there was a lot of good advice throughout the season from the elevator pitch, from being too am, you know overly ambitious and looking for the right mentor to persistence. And, you know, I like Rachel, I like Dana, but it seems like they've struggled with what to do with them as a couple because it's That's basically true. the same beat over and over and over. And, I, again. And, and honestly, I don't feel like the actors have chemistry. Yeah, I would agree. I don't yeah. think they have chemistry. Because like, I feel like, I was like, yeah. one of them is not really gay or one of them is really, because whenever they kiss, it makes me feel like, are they kissing their sister? Like, you know what I'm saying? Well, I, I mean, Ashley, Ashley Birch, who's also the voice of a lot of characters in video games. She's the voice of Aloy and, uh, in uh, Horizon Zero Dawn, she is pretty open. She's pretty openly gay. Even if you are gay, that doesn't mean you have chemistry. That's with, true. I have no idea about the actress who plays yeah. Dana, but right, absolutely, that does that doesn't mean that the two. Yeah, their chemistry is just different. not on point. Yeah, I'm always like, yeah, I was like, I don't really like. I like them. I like their moments where they just are supporting each other. Yeah, I like, like it when they're sweet, but whenever yeah, they yeah, start like to kiss, I'm like, oh, yeah, stop it. it. Just, yeah, their their PDAs. I'm always like, ah, this feels awkward. Like never yeah. or, flat or something. Exactly. Um, yeah, I, I'm I sorry. Top absolutely agree. 
Tom is deep in thought. Come on, Tom. No, I, I agree that they don't have much chemistry, but the, 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 the bigger problem is story-wise, there's only some... The only thing that was kind of fun is when they say, hey, remember when Carol said that we couldn't have, you know, don't have sex in the workplace, but we don't work here anymore. <laughs> and then Carol, they show her, oh, and she was like... <laughs> Carol, the show's MVP. Yes. yes, she is. And I like when she walked in and saw them crying. And she was like, I don't have time for this. No, no. (laughs) (laughs) Carol's great. Yeah. So wherever they go, they got to take Carol with them. That's all I got to say. The rest of them can stay, but Carol has definitely got to go. And then I have to say that, uh, what is it, David's moping was boring. I didn't care about the fact. I kind of wanted to meet David's girlfriend this season. And then they just kind of dropped that character and she dumped him. Well, yeah, because he proposed... And then know, he begged. Eat who would go out with him? I was like, yeah. I'm kind of. But you're right. Yeah, he goes. We don't want to see. Yeah, we don't yeah. want to see their home lives. That's not what the show's about. No, I know. I just. I, yeah, I get what you're saying. Unless she I came would... to the office. Right. Yeah. Right. 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 I mean, the office has his because his reaction, just the looks on their faces when he's explaining why she dumped him, was great. They were just like, "You did what?" And then what? And, you know, you didn't go on two knees, right? Like, the story just got progressively, like, hearing him describe it is way better than us having to witness it. Seriously. I see what you're saying. Yeah, so I thought that was good. All right, so we're saying thumbs up, Mythic Quests. Please, please give us another season. Um, Yes. All right, next up, we're going to talk about the Mysterious Benedict Society. Where you train kids to be assassins and spies, but no one gets hurt. Not a, not assassins, just spies. Just spies. Sorry. All right. But they're like nine. They're 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 very they're very young and short. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's um, this is um, based on a popular series of children's books, and it's interesting that a lot of the cablers, or sorry, a lot of the streaming services have try- been trying to cater towards family audience shows. Sweet Tooth is not a family show. I'm sorry. When you're trying to kill kids, not a family show. That was show. terrifying when he came. Oh, we'll talk about that later. Oh, my but, God. Uh, this, I'm scarred for life. Disney knows how to do family shows. And Tony Hale is cast as the as uh, the Mr. Benedict and his evil twin brother, which is the big reveal at the end of the episode, too, that his twin brother runs the academy that the kids the four kids who are recruited are sent to spy on, but the kids are well cast. Kristen Shaw is um, basically the the woman who helps Mr. Benedict run that academy. And then Ryan Hurst, who was in Sons of Anarchy and other, you know, very tough. He's like, kind of like the handyman, but you know he's got a past. And then they have an African-American uh, woman who also works there, who as the kids go in to take their test, she pretends to drop her pencil down the drain to see what the how the kids will react to see if they'll help her, and <laughs> and all of you know um, our lead kid who's adorable and kind of reminiscent of Charlie Bucket, he breaks his pen, he finds out that there will be an a pencil eraser in the room, so he breaks his pencil in half and gives the other half to uh, to the, the he thinks it's the black girl but it's actually an adult posing as a kid. And then she tries to get him to cheat, says, I have all the answers, and slips him the note, and then he kicks the paper away from him. So, and then one of the other kids, 
it turns out she opens her coat and she's got a whole bunch of pencils in there. So it's, just, <laughs> it's just it's just a refreshing I would say it's got aspects it, it's reminiscent a little bit of Harry Potter and also Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. But, well all those uh, kids the, in the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory all die. No, they don't. Uh, they just end up they end up self sabotaging. Yeah, I feel like they die too. I feel like yeah, Char- okay, and well, that's how not how I interpreted that movie. But anyway, just in terms of a kid from all of these, all of our four leads are orphans, and so we have two boys. Uh, we have two boys and two girls. One of whom is just very obnoxious and self assured, and she's short, and it, it's very funny. And then the uh, the other girl is Kate, but she wants to be called Kate the Great, and they're like, yeah, no, <laughs> Kate the Great, nice. But and the black kid's called Sticky because he remembers everything. <laughs> but they're recruited to uh, go on a secret mission because of the emergency, which is why the world is not at sorts. So they send them over to this rival academy to be to infiltrate. And the big reveal at the end of episode two is that the rival academy is run by Mr. Benedict's evil b- twin brother. So Both he's training Kirk. his kids to be evil. He's training his kids probably to be evil, and we think that's the source of the emergency. Okay. Which has not been very defined yet, but it's got a lot of whimsy. It's got a lot of great production design. Um, uh, Greg Beeman, who directed uh, many episodes of Smallville, is co-executive producer and one of their, I guess, their lead house director. He directed episodes one and two. But just Disney knows how to do family shows right, and all these other upstarts and pretenders should look at what Disney's doing because if you look at the shows they've developed, they're all good. The Star Wars shows are good. The the uh, Marvel shows are good. Shows My like God, Big Shot, High School Musical, the Musical the series. Wait, mean, wait, wait. What, did, what did you say, Peter? Oh, I was going to say Big Shot, Mighty Ducks. Those are good. Yeah, the Mighty Ducks. They know what they're doing and it's just, you know, you got to do more for a kid series than just you know, license, you know, get the rights to a kid's property and unleash talent on it. It's it's so much more to it. But yeah, I highly recommend it. It got rave reviews from the trades and uh and the best result, I saw uh, I saw a journalist talk about the show and his kids did not like the books and then the kids loved the show and said, This is better than the books. So, nice. That's always a good that's always really the writers good. Writers don't like to hear, but Yeah, but it's good for us. <laughs> Uh, all right, so let's we're saying thumbs up for that. Uh, next up, let's move on to Sweet Tooth, and it was the last two episodes of Sweet Tooth, and holy crap, it got dark. All those people yeah, that yeah. said that the ep- that the shows were super sweet and all nice, when that dude came at that child with the bone saw, no, 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 no. I, 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 I mean, I kept hoping. Because we had seen everything from the doctor's perspective, and you knew that he's generally speaking a good guy, and but he's in a really bad situation. But I was like, he's not going to kill these kids. He's not going to kill these kids. He's totally not going to kill these kids. And then they have. I was like, also, if you're going to dissect the kid, maybe kill the kid first before you start dissecting him. Just you know, just as why is this show all about saran wrapping people and then setting them on fire, and then with this. They're going to dissect these children and they don't, like, knock them out or kill... Like, no. That kid was wide awake when he was coming to him with the bone saw. And I was like, oh, my God. No. 
And then they had the moment at the end where Sweet Tooth is surrounded by all the other hybrid kids. They have this great, really sweet group hug. But at the same time that I'm watching that, I'm thinking, how many of those kids are going to get dissected that he's going to have to watch get yanked out of there after he attaches himself to them? And I was like, no, 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 no. But I do like the big man and the woman at the zoo. I forgot her name. I like that they team up. I think that that's cool. She's like, let's go get our kids. And I was like, yeah. And also the reveal that her adopted daughter is is uh bear's sister right that felt like an obvious reveal but it was good it was still a really good one oh and also the what did you think of the flashback episode it was good i mean because it explained it explained the whole everything like it, it, it explained the beginning of all of this how it all happened how he ended up with gus because i felt like for the longest time i really did think he was gus's father but then when you see the flashback, you realize he's known the birdie for a day. Like, he was creepily stalking her, but he only knew her for a minute. And I actually wondered, did she really run into him at the bar by mistake? I feel like she knew. No, she knew. Yeah, exactly. She knew he had the keys to get into the building. She knew all of that. And she also knew that he liked her. So yep. she, I feel like she totally played him. Yeah. And and the reveal that she's still alive was not much of that a That wasn't theme. a reveal, no. But yeah, apparently she want, she's trying to get another sample of the disease back at the pole, wherever, whichever pole she was at, they were at originally. That's what it looks like she's doing with her research. Um, but yeah, it's it, it got really dark really fast. That's all I'm going to say. I mean, we knew that that darkness was kind of underneath it the whole time. But like I said, we were seeing it from Sweet Tooth or Gus's perspective. But now his eyes has been have been opened and he's not naive anymore. And he's been put in a cage and they were about to dissect him and all of that. Like, holy crap. This show is not for children, as you say. No. I don't see why all these critics say, oh, a family show. It's like, no, 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 no. No, not unless you want to traumatize your children. Not unless you've got money for therapy. (laughs) So overall, the only thing is, the only negative I would say is it ends on a pretty big cliffhanger. So it doesn't feel complete at all. Yeah, but considering that it's Netflix's hottest, you know, original series... I think, but they, they didn't know it. that when they made the series. That just seems like it's a lot of a gamble. It's a pretty big gamble. This is true. I heard. I heard uh, that that awful superhero show they did also ended on a cliffhanger. Oh yeah, because they thought they were coming back too. They thought they were coming back. <laughs> Suckers. <laughs> it's like, did you watch the show? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so we're saying thumbs up for. The season finale of Sweet Tooth, hopefully not the series finale, because we haven't heard word yet on if it's coming back. But uh, here we go. If you have any questions or comments, send them to tvcampfire@gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter, on Facebook, Sci-Fi Radio, Wheatonopolis, and iTunes. And we'll talk to you guys next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Later.